I'm thankful to, to be on the, the Dr. Sky Experience on 77 WABC and talk radio is an important method for getting uh, facts out and discussion and, and debate started and I appreciate what you do. Ladies and gentlemen, to the exciting show that you tell us you like so much, the Dr. Sky Experience, heard proudly here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. With the Dr. Sky Experience, we call this radio station, and many agree, the crown jewel of radio, the iconic 77 Talk Radio WABC, beaming out of New York City, around the nation, and around the world, and I'm sure, ladies and gentlemen, even out into the cosmos. And today, we have a very special guest as we talk more about American exceptionalism in these rather troubled times here in America and around the world. In just a moment, we'll be joined by former Ambassador Francis Rooney, who is the U.S. Ambassador to the Holy See. And we'll talk a little bit of his book entitled The Global Vatican. And he was also a congressman representing the 9th Congressional District in Florida from 2017 to 2021. With that, a hearty welcome to the former ambassador and former congressman, Francis Rooney. Good afternoon, sir, and thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me on. Privilege and honor, sir. I've followed you for a long time. And today in this particular interview, I wanted to really get you to jump right into the conversation as we talk about what's going on in the Middle East. And then later on, of course, we'll talk about your ambassadorship to the Holy See. I'm fascinated by this, and I think so with the listeners. But let's talk about this world flashpoint, what you see is happening here, and what people who are listening to this particular in, you know, episode really need to see about what the sad thing that's going on with Israel, Hamas, and Hezbollah to the north. Well, you know, this, this Hamas thing is just one more chapter in what's been a continuing and evolving narrative for many, many years. Yes. You know, in 1929, long before there was a state of Israel, a bunch of Palestinians murdered every Jew they could find. It goes back uh, to the Koran, to the last three shiras of the Koran. They basically don't like anybody that's not a Muslim. Wow. Well, tensions are really rising, and we see today as we conduct this interview here in October of 2023, on the 17th day, we understand that President Biden is expected to what? visit the Middle East, a very dangerous trip for any president, knowing the hostility in the region. But with your experience, sir, give us some of the things that you think might happen there. I know nobody really has a crystal ball here. What we hope would happen is peace could prevail. But being a realist, I think that's obviously difficult, especially the horrific things that uh, Hamas has done to the Israeli citizens, up to and including children. I mean, this is just horrible it reminds us reminiscent of the Nazi Germany and, of course, many things that happened with the Jews in the Holocaust. So a little bit of insight from you. I mean, what, what do you think will happen and what do you think needs to happen? Let's talk about that. Well, I, I think given the, the brutality and the number of innocent killings and everything, Israel's going to have to do something militarily in, in Gaza. They just right. can't say, oh, well, OK, yeah, we'll sign a peace deal now. But once they've gone in there and they've had some some fighting and probably killed a few leaders and blown up a few buildings, maybe there will be a possibility for for a brokered truce. And maybe that's what Biden will talk about is, OK, how soon are you all going to be ready to figure a way out of this thing? And then he's also there to make sure that Iran and a few other bad actors realize how deadly serious the United States is about protecting Israel. Wow. 
Well, as you know, sir, better than anybody else, you were also part vice chair of the Foreign Affairs Committee. And as we continue to talk with you on this particular episode of the Dr. Sky Experience, it's a privilege and honor to have you here in the two roles that you've had and many other roles in business and such. But if I may shift gears back to our nation here, I mean, in my humble opinion, I've always been more on the right side of the equation here. I did volunteer and volunteer and do a lot for Donald Trump and certainly would do it again. But I want to have your take on what's going on here in the Congress with the speakership. I mean, this is just so amazingly sad that we can't seem to find a person. Many people, of course, we would like to see in that particular position. But describe to us not only what's happened, we also know what now is going on right now as we're talking and conducting this interview. Aren't they doing that, sir? They're trying to find a speaker and nobody seems to yeah, come up I with a number are. of votes. I- yeah, I've been flying all day and just got in, so I, I'm not sure what's going on yes, exactly or whether Jordan's won it yet or not. But, you know, Kevin McCarthy had the same problem Boehner had. You've got this hardcore Freedom Caucus group, which mm-hmm. is highly ideological and fairly self-interested and won't compromise on anything. And then you've got all these uh, other Republicans that range from conservative to moderate. And a lot of the moderates are from districts that are some some of the right conservative people call them rhino districts, but you can't have a majority without them. Yes. And so it's got to be some way to, you know, historically with democracy, you have to synthesize uh, contradicting points of view to come up with a compromise. And they're not capable of doing that. The other thing is Kevin spent so much time uh, and effort and, com- and, and giving things up to the Freedom Caucus to get the speakership in the first place, to get uh, Green's vote and Matt Gates's vote, et cetera that I think he's kind of paralyzed. He kind of looked like a three-legged dog. Yes. Well, it's pretty embarrassing, as you know, sir. I mean, you were in the hallowed halls of Congress for years. But from people like ourselves that are listening to this particular interview today, I think it's pretty embarrassing when the world looks at this country. Because am I correct in this assumption? I mean, this is basic from, from grammar school and high school and college. The speakership is what the third most powerful position in government, aside from president and vice president. Isn't that it's the certainly in line for the presidency succession? Yes, that way. absolutely. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I think this is debilitating internally what it does to our American institutions, but it's also debilitating externally in the sense yes. that you've got all these bad actors, our adversaries, watching our, every move we make, sitting back, scratching their head. I mean, it's like when Obama joked about Putin taking Crimea. All he did right. was embolden Putin to come take some more. Yes. Weakness, weakness all around. And if I may transition, sir, these are the subject matters that I think are most important to the American people. At least I hope so. Controlling inflation and securing our border. And of course, that's a big subject matter. But let's talk about the most obstreperous thing here. I can't get over this. I live here in Arizona. I represented the Maricopa County Sheriff's Office. And work around, and we're certainly proud of working with Sergeant Sheriff Joe Arpaio for so many years in that role out there. So it's so incredible. I mean, when people are told to have to pay taxes by, let's say, April 15th or the specter of going to jail, how can anybody within a common sense mind, you know, obviously I'm not telling people not to pay their taxes, when we realize that we're doing something, the government that is, letting illegal individuals in here without, right, Congressman, right, Ambassador? Without any vetting process, I mean, aren't we setting ourselves up for total disaster here in light of what's happened in Israel and Hamas and Hezbollah? This is just insane, correct? Well, you know, the, the thing is, um, we have a tradition of asylum in this country. Yes. The federal courts have expanded the, the justifications for asylum well beyond the law. I mean, the law says 
fleeing religious or uh, political persecution. I mean, now you can get let in if you come from a country with a bad education system. I mean, it's ridiculous. And the other thing is the Mexican drug gangs are, are controlling the border on the Mexican side now. So who knows what kind of bad guys can get in here? Absolutely. I worry about that every day. And I say worry. And I'm not usually one who's scared. But anybody listening to this, obviously, we're here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Congressman Ambassador, you know that the problem there is so prolific. I mean, people are coming in illegally, staying in five-star hotels, literally bankrupting the city of New York. And uh, Eric Adams, the mayor, at first was wanting people to come into the sanctuary city, but he's what? Trying to squeeze it out and say, hey, even I recognize that we can't sustain this insanity. Yes. You know, George Bush tried to solve the problem with the comprehensive immigration reform in 2007, which would have secured the border and required that for people to come in this country, they were going to have to register, sign up, prove their capability, quality, lack of criminal record, et cetera. And, and they would uh, be able to get a work permit and go to a job somewhere and we would know where they are and who they are. Absolutely. And that would have been a rational answer to our need for people as well as our need for security. You've written an op-ed. Many people have read it. I'd like you, if you'd be kind enough, sir, to go over a little bit of the summation points. You have three focus points and areas that Congress should be concentrating on. If you don't mind sharing those again with us and the listeners, I appreciate that. Well, I think I I think if this is the one I'm thinking of, I talked a lot about uh, eliminating the partisanship. Absolutely. That's the one. And and nobody can do anything in this highly charged, highly partisan environment. I mean, they can name post offices or, you know, um, something like that. But when it comes to an important issue like dealing with an adversary, uh, stopping our spending, securing the border, uh, Congress is is impossible to uh, to act. Mm-hmm. Interesting. The other thing is, you know, we, we have to we have to stop the spending. We are mortgaging our kids and grandkids future by profligate spending by a bunch of politicians on both sides. They can't say no. Yes, it's sad. I mean, the guesstimate is I study astronomy, sir, and we talk about big numbers. But when you're talking, what, 32 alleged trillion dollars in deficit, it seems like the, uh, the amount of interest just on that alone is more than what many nations have for their gross national products. So oh, sure. And, and how so does anybody maintain that? Right. Yeah. How do you deal with that? You have to inflate your way out of it, i.e. our mm-hmm. money becomes debased to be able to retire that debt through inflation. Or you have to have keep or you have to uh, have really high interest rates or both. Absolutely. High interest rates are to attract enough capital to keep your debt refinancing. Yes. One of the subjects, sir, as we move quickly here, I know your time is limited, and I appreciate your time here on this radio station, the archives here. We call it the Dr. Sly Experience here on Talk Radio 77 WABC as we talk with our very special guest today, former ambassador to the Holy See. He's the author of a book called The Global Vatican and also representing the 9th Congressional District in Florida from 2017 to 2021. He is none other than Francis Rooney. I wanted you to give us just a quick summation on a couple of things here, sir, that I find interesting. You know, Donald Trump, no matter how you look at it, obviously it seems like he can never get a fair trial anywhere. But you've talked before, and I'm going to play this. You won't hear it, but the audience will, and the guests listening in. I see in an interview that you actually did there talking about purging of the FBI. And we see even at the top levels of the Justice Department, the FBI, in my humble opinion, there needs to be some sort of a cleansing to remove the whole specter of trying to pick on people that they don't agree with 
and hopefully not have the Democratic Party go after individuals just because of their beliefs. And we're going to hear that now. But let's let's have you comment on that. I mean, that interview was quite interesting. I, I watched that and, and I thought, wow, purging the FBI, you know, obviously we need to clean house on some of these people that will not consider to give us a fair hearing or a fair amount of what we call equal justice. A GOP congressman is calling for a, quote, purge at both the FBI and the Justice Department. Congressman Francis Rooney of Florida denies that he's trying to undermine the agencies. Well, I don't want to discredit them. I just I would like to see the, the directors of those agencies purge it and say, look, we've got a lot of great agents, a lot of great lawyers here. Those are the people that I want the American people to see and know the good work's being done, not these people who are kind of the deep state. You say you're not trying to discredit the FBI or the Justice Department. Um, I want to talk to you about why you have criticism of them. But first, um, are, you sh- are you sure you want to be throwing a word like purge around? Well, it might be a pretty strong word. I'm not maybe the most nuanced political person in the world coming from a career in business, but I'm pretty frustrated that all the things that have come out by the uh, uh, Strozik and Orr and what may or may not have taken but place me, in uh, struck, Deputy General's but, Well, let me, let me uh, McCabe, stop you there. You know? Struck, Mueller removed Struck. Or yeah. was demoted. I mean, so what's yeah. the evidence? What's the evidence then well, the bias has impacted this investigation when the very data points you're putting there actually action has been taken against those individuals? As an American citizen, I'm, I'm nervous and, and discontent that, that people would have those kinds of uh, lack of impartiality and, and, and bad animus uh, as displayed in those emails. And if they would have gone so far as to try to use that possibly use that dossier to discredit the campaign. I think that's going beyond just having political views. And I hold the FBI and the Department of Justice in very high esteem. Where's the evidence that that bias has has infiltrated this investigation? Do you do you have some knowledge we don't have? Because we're not seeing that. No, no, I don't. I'm not saying it necessarily necessarily uh, influenced the investigation, but they certainly were trying to work to uh, MP Donald Trump. That's what the guy said in those emails. And I just don't know that someone in the FBI and the DOJ ought to be doing that kind of stuff uh, with all the power and authority they have over American citizens. And what say you? Well, I I think it was very disturbing to me to read Mm -hmm. all the classified documents pertaining to the Steele dossier, to to see that the FBI... Uh, leaders and the Justice Department leaders all the way to the top pencil whipped these warrant applications whose basis was never vetted. And it was done by a couple of highly politicized left wing, left left leaning uh, bureaucrats in the in the FBI, uh, Peter Stroke mm-hmm. and his girlfriend. And, yes. and that's not what our d- democracy can be. We can't stand to have a politicized democracy that half the country can't trust. Amen. And the other part of it is, you know, better than just about anybody, because you've taken an oath. We're simply not a democracy. I get tired of hearing that when we truly are a constitutional republic. And I don't hear much of that in any of the legacy media. Let's talk about something, uh, I think, a very bright side of the equation here. You're the former ambassador to the Holy See. You have a book out, of course, called The Global Vatican. What an honor it is, sir. Tell us about that experience, because... During this period of time, if I'm correct, it was Pope Benedict XVI who was actually the Pope there. But describe that. I mean, I've never been to the Vatican. I, I would like you to explain to us what the Holy See really is in relationship to the Vatican and share any experience that you've had. I'm, I'm sure you've had a meeting with the Pope 
during your particular tenure. Is, is that correct? Oh, yeah, a bunch of them. One with George wow. Bush and one several by myself and one with Mrs. Bush and her daughter. Wow. The, uh, the Holy See is a unique place. It has a lot mm-hmm. of authority and influence in the world, but it doesn't have any kind of territory or oil or other hegemonic indicia. So mm-hmm. as such, it's kind of got a moral standing, if you will. So we find the Holy See very useful to uh, to lead in certain areas that where we, of, dem- of diplomacy, uh, where their words can carry a lot of weight around the world. You know, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of these global South countries uh, where they can have influence with where we can't. Uh, certainly, the Pope Benedict was very helpful uh, criticizing Ahmadinejad in Iran and Kabila down there in the Democratic Republic of Congo when I was there. And um, so in that sense, for the issues that they're involved with, they they cast a global footprint, you know, issues of religious freedom, freedom of expression, uh, human dignity, human rights, uh, calling out authoritarian governments who trample on their people. That's the reason we have a mission there. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's beautiful. I mean, but just on the personal side, I mean, it must be absolutely fantastic, not only to see the history of these sacred locations, but I'm interested to know if you've ever visited the summer home, the Palace of Castel Gandolfo, obviously in historical records, as you know, been around since 1596. And since I'm on the astronomy and astrophysics side, sir, obviously the Vatican Observatory is a big part of that, right? Yeah, since you're an astronomer, astronomer, uh, yeah, I, I went out there several times and they showed me the pictures of the sunspots and everything. It's an incredible uh, and, and then the, uh, the, um, the residence right next door is beautiful. Uh, um, I went out for several conferences out there with the leaders of the, of the Holy See's dipl- uh, diplomatic corps. And mm-hmm. uh, it's, they have a lot of pretty, ser- pretty, pretty nice infrastructure. There's no doubt about it. And really, the whole city of Rome is, is a museum, when you come, quite frankly. Well, sir, that's on my uh, bucket list. I hate the word bucket list, but that's on my list, of course, to see in Italy to visit the Vatican and see these amazing, amazing religious historical sites for Christianity and the Catholic faith. Well, so you get the closing comment because it's interesting here. And I actually, before that, I should just jump in, excuse my interruption. But we find out here something that you bring up very interesting here. 14% of defense appropriations do not add to combat readiness. And I want to talk about our military then before the last word. And you described this. This is a rather sad uh, percentage. I don't like to look at these percentages, but truth is, it is what it is. You also yeah, described seventy, that, yeah, seventy-seven percent of the seventeen to twenty-four-year-olds do not even qualify for the can, you know, to capability for military service. That's that's amazing. And why not? I'd, I'd be curious to hear. Well, according to the Wall Street Journal, a lot of it's physical debility and a lot of it's mental debility. I mean, we we need kind of a great awakening among our training of our children and youth. Uh, maybe uh, another President Kennedy's uh, fitness program like he did in mm-hmm. 1961. And, you know, it's really sad. And and then that's on the physical and mental side. But on the on the mm-hmm. on the other side, the non-combat readiness part, we, we've got to stop wasting money on things that don't pertain to taking out our enemies. We, we waste a lot of money on bases that are there to placate congressmen that don't add to add strategic value on all this. HR department kind of woke stuff that's going on about making sure people uh, are happy in, in all their different modes of debility. And, and I don't think that's the job of the military. There's an article in the Wall Street Journal today about, or in the Washington Post, about the limited number of black fighter pilots. Now, I'm sorry there's not more black fighter pilots, and maybe there's some things that could be done about it. But we got a lot of those fish to fry right now with Iran and Hamas and Hezbollah. 
Absolutely. It's sad to see that, sir. I mean, obviously, these other nations, my, my concern, not fear, is the communist Chinese, the military that they have, extremely strong, North Korea, Iran, of course, in the news every day. But it's just a sad situation over there in the Middle East, and I just don't know. I'll, I'll pray and I'll hope, but I'll pray first that cooler heads prevail. Because yeah. according to biblical scripture, as you know, this could be the seed that starts off World War III, the apocalyptic vision in the Bible, which is absolutely... And, and I'll tell you who is right at the hands of Barack Obama. Absolutely. He did that ridiculous deal with Iran, gave mm-hmm. them all that money. They immediately put all their nuclear development facilities on, the, on their army installations where we were not permitted to go. And now yeah. he might want to do it again. It's terrible. Well, sir, I appreciate your time here, but the last thing to give you the last word, I wanted you to give us a little insight into the global Vatican so what people can understand from your time as ambassador to the Holy well, See. Just well, the, the, again, the, the, the Holy See projects authority throughout the world. It's a global institution capable of influencing almost every part of the world if the right circumstances present themselves. And I think that's why they're a unique partner for the United States in, in conducting diplomacy and trying to nurture some of the same values that are in our national security strategy, defending human rights, religious freedom, etc. And uh, I just appreciate the chance to be on Dr. Sky uh, Talk yes. Radio at 77 WABC. I've, I've been up before. I really appreciate it. And uh, I wish you all the best. Also, stay with us just for a moment here. Again, thanking him ahead of time. Former ambassador. Rooney, a great story. He himself, knowledgeable, yes, ladies and gentlemen, about not only what's happening here in America, but as the U.S. Ambassador of the Holy See, his book, The Global Vatican. That concludes this exciting edition, as everybody tells us, on Talk Radio 77 WABC, the Dr. Sky Experience, talking not only about astronomy, space, aviation, and weather, but with celebrity guests, and as you're hearing today, stories of American exceptionalism. Thank you, former Ambassador and Congressman Francis Rooney. As we conclude this edition, please stay on the line with us as we go to the break at the bottom of the hour.